Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of the PI Window on the World. As always, I'm your host, John Hansen. And yes, I'm babbling a bit of a cold. I think it's this, this confusion between spring and winter. Winter not wanting to see. We just had a snowfall and apparently a big storm is on the way. It's hard to believe end of March, April, just around the corner. But that's fun. the fun of living above the 49th parallel. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm glad you're able to join us today. Joining us shortly will be Chris Sarchuk from the Hackett Group. And I have to tell you, he's going to be talking about achieving procurement agility in a volatile market and uh, it's uh, part of his uh, presentation at the Procurious Big Ideas Summit which is scheduled to take place on the 21st of April. But before we get to Chris, one thing I want to remind you and, and I mentioned this last segment, it's hard to believe but we are rapidly approaching our thousandth show. Or, or, you know, it, it's funny, I took to the air for the first time ever uh, on March 26, uh, 2009 and I must admit that never Never uh, did I ever think that we'd do a thousand shows. I mean, a hundred shows I thought was a great accomplishment. Uh, hitting five hundred, well, you know, I think we could uh, be uh, retire happy at that. But here we are, about to uh, hit our thousand show. And uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I owe it all, of course, is to you, the listeners who have joined us uh, over the years. In fact, uh, Blog Talk Radio, out of the fifteen thousand—that's right, fifteen thousand shows—are broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, the PI window in the world was ranked as one of the top 300. So, I mean, you know, that is in large part uh, based upon your uh, listening to us. So uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do for the Thousands show. I mean, uh, maybe a, 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 a replay of some of the highlights, and there are many from years past. But nonetheless, uh, let's move on to today's segment. And again, I want to welcome to the uh, segment uh, uh, Chris Sarcha. Chris, how are you today? Great, John. How are you doing? Not too badly at all. I'm glad you're able to join yeah. us because I have to tell you, uh, you know, we, we had the chance to meet for the first time, although we've known of each other for years, but was at the right, Virginia right. Forum when you were on the panel discussion. And uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, discussion uh, in and of itself and was good to finally put a physical uh, connection to, to the virtual one. But uh, glad yeah. you're joining us. And, you know, I've got to ask you this question because one, one of the things that came to mind here is, Procurious's Big Ideas Summit, and Procurious seems to be emerging rapidly, has a, 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 mm -hmm. a knowledge source to be reckoned with. Uh, how did you first come across Procurious? Like, and, and, and you know, what was your impression when they, they, they first, I guess, came on your radar to uh, where you are with them now? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, they, they came on my radar. I mean, I, I, uh, you, know, they, you know, I, I did have a relationship and, and knew of, Tanya Siri, who is the uh, the founder of Procurious, you know, through some of the you know involvement that she's been in the procurement space for some time, uh, she owns an organization and is involved in an organization called the Faculty down in Australia. And, and as a result of that, you know, I knew of Tanya, and so as she got into Procurious, um, that was where I you know basically got the insight in terms of some of the things that she was you know looking to do with Procurious, and you know certainly the the whole area of social media. 
You know what's interesting about this because you know, and 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 I want to digress too far because I want to get on this topic here because it's very interesting, obviously. But one of the things I remember talking with Tim Cummins from IACCM, and he said the traditional association model, as we know it, the membership driven and yeah. fees, is, is going to be replaced by a model where it's a la carte, where you pay for value, pay for services. And one of the first things that came to my mind is is uh, Tanya's vision with Procurus, and she's actually going to be on the show next. Um, it, yeah. it is almost like that transition from uh, you know the knowledge resource you get, and I'm not saying it's going to replace associations, but certainly that transformation and transition of of, of providing accessibility of information uh, to to the to the industry. I mean, is that a fair statement? You know, I think it's an interesting one. As you were saying that, I was trying to think of you know sort of the you know the education model that is out there today in the world, and you know people have been saying for a long time that the traditional educational model you know, will be replaced in the future as well, where it would be more a la carte. And, you know, if, if you look at, you know, people that are out there today, if they want to learn stuff and, you know, rather than just having a bunch of information, but gain information as you need it, you know, a lot of times we don't need the information that we get. Um, but as we get involved in certain situations, et cetera, you know, is there a model that, you know, allows you to gain the information as needed depending on, you know, the types of situations that you're, you're, you're looking at. And I certainly, you know, see that happening in the educational marketplace. Um, I think it'll also be something that, you know, people will have to consider uh, in the business, you know, marketplace in, in terms of these membership-based models as well. I, I imagine we could probably do a whole show on that, so we'll have to have you back to talk yeah. about that. But oh, let, let, let's look at this. You're going to be uh, presenting at the Big Idea Summit on April 21st, and it's going to be talking right. about the need for procurement to be agile in a volatile market. Now, before we talk about what is agile procurement, it made reference, or there's reference made to last year about the importance of customer centricity and how it ties into the agility question. So, you know, maybe a little bit of background in terms of that. What is this? A, how is this a natural extension of what was talked about last year? You know, when we think about agility, and you know, it is a term that you know we've actually started utilizing and and really starting to talk about over the last couple of years, and. You know, one of the things, if you think about, you know, we in, in procurement and some of the research that we've done at the Hackett Group, um, a couple of years ago, uh, back in 2014, we actually put a paper out there, you know, focused on five characteristics of, you know, world-class procurement organizations. And, you know, people who know Hackett, you know, understand that we do a lot of benchmarking of organizations and performance, et cetera. But when we started looking at some of these better performing organizations globally, we started really saying, is there something that's different about some of these organizations and their ability to, you know, engage and create value and competitive advantage for the organizations? Um, and, and, and when we did that, we didn't just rely on, you know, benchmarking information. We looked at the, the interactions that we're having with organizations and just looked at some of these characteristics in our conversations, et cetera. And one of the things that we identified was this idea of, of agility, um, the ability for organizations to be able to react more quickly uh, to an environment that's around them that is changing uh, and sometimes not necessarily always in, predict in predictable ways. And, and so one of the things uh, we at the Hackett Group focused on is that every year we have a conference. And, and, and the point I'm making here is that why it's, you know, why it is important. You know, last year uh, we – themed our conference 
around agility. Um, this year, we're keeping the theme the same. It's the first year that we've ever done that, kept the theme the same two years in a row. And, and part of it is because of its importance that we believe in the marketplace itself. Um, you know, one of the things is that, you know, we do believe that agility is important uh, because there's a lot of things that are changing. And, and certainly you always look at that and say, well, why do we need to be agile? Well, there are things changing around us and there's a lot of things happening. But one of the aspects of uh, agility is this idea of customer centricity, being close to your customer. And, you know, that allows you to be much more reactive. So when I talked last year at Procurious, I focused on one dimension of agility, and that was being close, making the customer center and centric to everything that you do as an organization, and creating a model that's much more, I'll say, pull-based than push-based uh, in terms of the way that we deliver our services as a procurement and source, you know, supply management organizations. See, now one of the things, just to define customer, and then I want to lead into sort of a, a side yeah. question, but are you talking about internal customers as well as external customers? Because oftentimes, the, 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 and, and I've heard this before, is that the, the, the focus on internal relationships are, are often more challenging, uh, macro versus micro relationships, than they are with external parties. Are you talking about internal customers specifically, or, or, or is it a generalized customer, whether it be internal or external? Um, it, it's more general, whether it's internal or external, but I will tell you that most procurement organizations, the customer that they're focusing on uh, is the internal customer. And, and I've had organizations challenge me to say, why are you using that term? You know, we see them as a stakeholder, and people use all kinds of terms to characterize this, this, these, these, these functions and these businesses and these individuals that they engage with. Uh, whether it be a stakeholder, whether it be a partner, whether it be a customer. And I said, you know what, customer may be going a little bit further than, you know, we tend to think about in terms of what you might do for a customer. Uh, a lot of times, you know, procurement will want to, you know, look at it from the perspective that, you know, we provide a lot of guidance. And, and so from that perspective, we don't necessarily just look at them. We look at them as a stakeholder, not a customer. But the one thing that I you know, want to you know put in people's minds is that when you think about a customer and you use the term customer, a lot of times you just that term alone, we think differently and we act differently around the customers, and so I want to bring that thinking into this. There may not be all of the aspects in terms of how you would treat an internal customer the same as an external customer. But the kind of thinking, the kind of responsiveness that most organizations develop in terms of how do we react to external customers when they have needs, they have demands, et cetera, we, 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 we shape our organizations around how do we respond uh, to those customers. And this is the same kind of thinking that I expect that you know, procurement organizations need to develop in terms of dealing with the internal customers as well. So, all right. So, I, I think that's an important thing because you're talking more of a semantical difference here. You're talking about, yeah. uh, to 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 agree, uh, almost like a redefinition. But let me ask you this before we get into the definition of agility and what it means to procurement mm -hmm. in general. Uh, back in uh, November in Virginia, I was speaking at a conference and I asked everybody in the audience. Uh, and again, this is public sector. Maybe we can talk about agility, public versus private sector. But uh, how many of you chose to be in the procurement profession? Now, in years gone by, as you probably know, very few people uh, chose to be in. They fell into it. But a, a good percentage 
in the room, young, especially the up-and-coming generation, uh, raise their hand and say, we chose the profession. Then we asked another interesting question. We said, how many of you now, having been in the industry for two, three years, uh, give or take a year on either side of that, would choose to be in procurement today? In other words, would you choose this as your career knowing what you know now? And 50% of them said no. Now, just thinking about that for a moment – to what degree, if any, does agility and what you're talking about in the definition of customer and the definition of role playing, what, what, what impact does that have on an organization's uh, not only ability to attract talent, but even more so to stimulate and motivate involvement? I, I mean, I, I, when I think of agility, I think of, of increased involvement. Uh, not just in terms of actual duties, but involvement in planning process, involvement in the understanding from a more holistic standpoint of what the enterprise's goals are and being a part of it. I mean, what what impact does that have uh, in terms of when you talk about agility on that? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Just going back to, you know, it's not surprising to me when you ask that question and, you know, people, you know, I mean, I think it's positive that the fact that you did have a number of folks raising their hands and say, yes, I want to be in the procurement profession. You know, I would assume that if we ask that question or suspect that if we ask that question 10 years ago or even 15 years ago, you know, you wouldn't have had so many people raise their hands that, yes, this is where I wanted to go. Um, but I think what's more interesting is the fact that, you know, now that they've been in it, you know, how many would stay in it or may have t- making a, you know, make it, made a different decision, you know, before that. And the fact that 50% of them said, you know what, probably wouldn't have made the same decision now that I'm here. And, and this is one of the fundamental issues, you know, within procurement. You know, we actually did a, um, a study, you know, on talent a, a bit ago. And, and what we did is we did a two-by-two. Two, and on the bottom, if you look at the x-axis, one of the things that we were looking at is, is you look at the skills that are needed within the procurement function, you know, within supply management, what are those skills that are needed really bad uh, and, and, and have a great, you know, strong, you know, critical skills that we need within the function. At the same time, on the y-axis, one of the things that we looked at was how difficult is it to attract that type of skill within the function, and once we have it, how difficult is it to retain that skill? And so what happens is that, you know, if you look at that and say, well, what are those things that we believe are critical skills that we need to have within the function itself, and, you know, and then most importantly, you know, how difficult is it to attract and retain that type of skill? So that's what we consider to be a, a critical, you know, zone within this matrix. And when you look in that area, the kinds of things that you see are things like, in, in some of the areas that you just mentioned, John, uh, strategic thinking and analysis, change management, business acumen. These are the types of things you see in there. What you don't see are those more traditional procurement-oriented types of skills. What you see are more business uh, types and generic types of skills. The challenge is, is that procurement needs these types of skills within its organization. And you know, with that, what they've done is they said, we've identified these types of skills, and then they've gone out and they said, all right, how do we go get those and retain and attract those skills into our organization? And so they've gone out, they've you know, increased salaries, they've done other types of things to attract those skills into the organization. Unfortunately, we haven't changed the environment because once you build an environment and you attract people with strategic thinking, with change management or more business types of skills, you better bring them into an environment 
that allows them to utilize those types of skills. And what's been happening is that we bring them into an environment that hasn't necessarily changed as much. And as a result of that, you know, they look at that and say, you know what, I'm not able to utilize these types of skills that I have. And next thing you know, they want to, you know, leave. And, and so we've been having difficulty retaining, not necessarily attracting as much in the more recent years, but retaining those types of skills within the organization. So then you start saying, well, what about agility? And, and agility is, is not just something, you know, within an individual, um, but it's also, you know, something that's an organizational capability. And certainly having the right kind of talent that has the ability to be able to, you know, not be so structured and, and not necessarily as uh, have the ability to, to, to change in terms of the changes that occur outside and have a more openness in terms of the kinds of things that may be needed to support and enable the business that they actually, you know, support um, is something that's an, a characteristic of being agile. And it does require these types of individuals. And so it's been a challenge. And I agree with, you know, with what you said. And certainly, you know, the comments that you received at the, uh, the event in Virginia certainly align to what we've seen uh, in the research that we do. See, now what's interesting, because individual agility, and you make the distinction, which, which I think is a great distinction, individual agility versus organizational mm-hmm. agility. The individual agility seems to be a natural progression of the up-and-coming generation, the, the, the skill sets that they possess. Organizational, yeah. uh, and this is a two-part question, uh, Chris. Organizational agility, what are the obstacles to that? And number two, let's tie this into the volatile market because, you know, it's an interesting thing, but changes often come about more by the, the external factors or forces that, 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 that make you do changes that you might not otherwise make. So, again, the first part is what are some of the obstacles to organizational agility and, and what, to what degree or what volatility factors are involved in the market that is, is causing this organizational shift? Yeah. Well, let me, let me, I may switch it around, John, and, and answer your first question, you know, first. And, you know, the question about, you know, what's happening in the external marketplace, because I think it's important to understand, you know, why, why do we have to even worry about agility? Why, you know, why is, you know, Chris and John even talking about this this morning? And why is he even, you know, bringing this up in the, you know, in an event that's occurring, you know, in, in, at the Precurious event uh, later in April? Um, you know, one of the things that you have to think about agility and what it is, I mean, it is our ability to react to changes that occur on the outside. And so if you look at the outside world um, in the environment that we're in today, there's a lot of things that are happening. Um, and, you know, you, you, people talk about the, the hyper-competition that exists out there. Uh, we're in an environment today that we're seeing organizations either – emerge and become dominant players in a much shorter amount of time than potentially what we have seen over, you know, many, many years. At the same time, you know, we see the, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, the organizations basically go away uh, or become less and less dominant in a very short amount of time. So you have this, you know, hyper competition that's out there and competition that comes in a very quick way. Um, you also have extreme volatility, 
And and what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of volatility in the marketplace in terms of, you know, we've seen that in the, you know, if you just, you know, follow the stock market, right? I mean, you know, things have subsided a little bit, but if you go back just even a month ago, we started seeing the volatility within the market, you know, place, you know, increase quite significantly in a relatively short amount of time. And there's been pundits out there talking about the fact that, you know, looking forward, you know, we're going to, you know, be in an environment, you know, a lot different than what we have been experiencing over the last, you know, uh, say four years or so, uh, which was has been very, you know, I'll say a more stable type of environment, and then we will see more volatility. Um, you see volatility in the, you know, certainly everybody's aware of what's happened in the oil and gas industry in terms of oil prices and, you know, the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of volatility here. And and I will tell you that, you know, the prices where they go, it's very difficult to predict this stuff. And I mean, you got as many people on one side as on the other side in terms of where people think things are going to actually go. But you also have this factor out there called disruptive innovation. You know, things that are just coming out from left field that we're just not necessarily predicting. Um, a lot of times we as organizations worry about traditional competition. You know, things like, you know, if you think about other people like me, for example, and that is my traditional competition. But what we've learned, you know, especially, and there's been some great examples of that, some overused, but, you know, the Uber model, right? People talk about Uber and, you know, the fact that they created a disintermediating, you know, model uh, as they came into an area. And certainly they they introduced that model into the, you know, taxi service types of businesses and, you know, you know, car service. But, you know, certainly that model could, you know, disintermediate, you know, many other industries as well. So these are some of the things that we worry about as organizations, and they're happening you know, at a much, you know, more rapid pace. And, and the thing is, it's not always things that we can actually predict and, and forecast, et cetera. So, you know, if these things are happening on the outside of organizations, then things have to change on the inside of organizations to be able to react to that. And, and, and for us to do that, you know, number one is we have to get much more proactive and I like to say predictive in terms of what is going to happen. We don't have crystal balls. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we can certainly build our capabilities to be more predictive about what might happen. Rather than looking in the rearview mirror all the time, what do we think is going to happen? What is, how do we build our forecasting capabilities and, and our predictive capabilities, et cetera? Um, that's going to be very key. At the same time, we have to be able to react much more quickly. And, and so as you think about our value chains, the value chains from our suppliers to our customers within our companies, we have to get more quick, quicker at that. And to do that, we have to get more digitized in everything that we do. Um, you know, manual processes and, you know, you know, slow us down. And so how do we digitize our relationships with our customers, with our suppliers, you know, internal to our organizations, et cetera? And then the third tenant is that we have to be close to our customers. Our customers provide us in some ways an insurance policy. If we're customer-centric, and, and our customers are centric to the services, the products, et cetera, that we develop for the marketplace for them, then we're much more insured and protected in a very volatile environment. And it allows us to react much more quickly if we know what our customers want and we have more of a 
pull-based model versus a pushing our services and our products onto them. So those are some of the things. You asked a question around obstacles. And, you know, what are some of the obstacles to doing this? I, I think one of the things today, and this was actually made made aware to me, you know, last year I was in Europe and I actually spoke at an, in, at an event over there. And I, I ran a, what I call a, uh, um, uh, it wasn't a panel, but it was a, a roundtable type of discussion. It was focused on agility. And one of the first things I asked was, you know, how important do you see agility being to you? And, you know, people in there, um, and actually to a surprise to me, didn't see it as a big factor for them. Um, I think they, and then furthermore, as we went through it, um, and we started talking about various characteristics of agility, and we asked them, what are the things that you're doing, and, and where are you on the spectrum? If you look at these various types of characteristics, do you see yourselves more in a low agility you know, you know, area, or do you see yourselves being highly agile in this particular characteristic? Um, and what you found for the most part is that organizations, and again, I was, I'm talking to you know, leaders of procurement and supply management, um, we were sort of middle of the road to low agility. But I think one of the biggest factors, and you can call it an obstacle, is the fact that we didn't see it as important as our companies potentially are seeing. And, and this is where I, sometimes I see a lag between where procurement people are and where their companies are. We saw this a couple of years ago, and, and, and one of the things, if you go back a number of years, and just to give you a sort of a, a correlation here, just a, another you know, idea, is that you know, back in 2008, we went through a significant downturn in the marketplace. And throughout 2009, 2010, you know, we were dealing with a marketplace that you know, got depressed very, very quickly. And it was very you know, volatile and a very quick drop. As a result of that, we as procurement organizations and, and, and certainly as companies, we started seeing that, you know, protecting, trying to protect our margins, but it, just focusing on cost reduction became the number one priority of our organizations. But as we sort of got further and further away from that period of time, and as we went into 2012 and 2013, what you started seeing is more of an equalization between our focus on top-line growth and our focus on you know, this cost reduction within our organizations to the point that as we got to 2013 and 14 and 15, we started seeing the, the focus on top-line growth, you know, supersede our focus on, you know, the cost. What we did do, and this is from an enterprise standpoint, when we started looking at the priorities of procurement organizations, what you saw was a lag, a lag that our organizations, our enterprises were focused on this top-line growth. And we in procurement were still focused on the cost reduction. That changed. But what we did see is this lag, a lag of a year, a year and a half, from the time that those shifts occurred within our enterprises to the shift that actually occurred in terms of our priorities within our procurement organization. I believe that's happening now. I believe that you know one of the things that's happening is that we've seen this shift in companies and the focus on being able to be agile and more agile as organizations to compete in this hyper competitive, this very volatile, this you know disruptive you know environment that we're in today, you know, has you know, has has become something that we're focused on as enterprises. 
But behind that, what we are seeing is that, you know, procurement's lagging a bit. You know, they don't necessarily, and again, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit because these are some conversations I had at the tail end of last year, and we are continuing to see this change. But I do believe we're going to see more and more of this coming to the forefront as we go further out into 2016. So, you know, and, and you know what, and we could probably have another separate discussion on this, the differences yeah. of agility within the public and private sector, which is another thing. We're only yeah. another minute ago. We're going to have to come back on the show. That's uh, that's all right. there is to it. <laughs> but let, let me ask you this. It, to sum it up in, in the final minute or so, um, yeah. what is, in terms of the Big Idea Summit, what do you hope, and based on everything you said, is going to be the key takeaway? If there was one or two key things, uh, very quickly, yeah. what would you hope that the audience takes away from their time with you? You know, I, I, it is really one of the first things, and it goes back to what I just said. I, mean, I, I want people to walk away, you know, first and foremost with the idea that agility is important, that it needs to be a, a priority for your organizations. You have to start thinking about how do I build agility into everything that we do. As we think about our technology infrastructure, as we think about our people and our talent, as we think about our processes, as we think about how we deliver our services back to the organizations, we need to figure that out. And, and, and we got to come away with this being a focus area and a priority for organizations. The environment has changed. So that would be something that would be first and foremost, you know, is one of my objectives for the session. The second thing would be is that, you know, I would like people to walk away with, you know, understanding some of the steps they need to take, you know, going forward, you know, you know, defining what it means because agility, and I defined it here, but agility is something unique. You have, every organization has to define it for themselves. You know, what does it mean? I mean, you can look at it in generic terms, but, you know, what does it truly mean to our organization? And, and, and based on that, how are we going to know if we were successful? You know, in some ways, you can use the term measure, right? How do we know we were going to be successful? And, and so we're going to have to do that. And, and so I want people to sort of walk away with not only understanding that it needs to be a priority, but secondly, what are some of the steps that they can you know, take to actually build some of this agility uh, and some of the initial steps to be, you know, start down this road of building this agility and making it more of a priority for their organization. Well, Chris Sawchuk from the Hackett Group, thank you so much for joining us today. And again, like any good conversation, it flies by fairly quickly. I want to remind you listeners that Chris will be speaking uh, or presenting at the Big Ideas Summit, uh, the Procurious Big Ideas Summit on April 21st. I've got the link there as well. You can, of course, track it on Twitter with the hashtag uh, Big Ideas 2016, all in caps. Uh, Chris, as always, interesting and, and insightful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. And, of course, to you, our listeners, as always, thank you for sharing what is your most valuable asset, your time. I uh, want to remind everybody that this uh, broadcast is available on an on-demand basis. And what that means is that uh, can't tune in uh, to the live broadcast. You can listen to it at your convenience over the uh, virtual airwaves of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Until we come at you uh, again with our next segment, and I believe our next segment is actually with uh, Tanya, who's the founder of Procurious. Uh, I hope you have a good week and, of course, a great uh, Easter weekend. Thanks so much, and bye for now. (laughs) 